Hey there, Strong Mom. Welcome to the Mom's New Strong Show, a show that inspires, educates, and motivates you to ditch the weight loss and fitness drama and create a fit and healthy lifestyle that you love, all centered around down-to-earth and practical solutions that will leave you feeling inspired and ready to take action. I'm your host, Jessica May, fitness and nutrition coach, hot mess mama too, a recovering perfectionist, and a lover of all things sprinkles and Mexican food. I'm also a woman on a mission to help you strengthen your body and mind so that you can be the best version of yourself. Ready to unleash your inner and outer strong mom? Let's get started. Hey, Strong Mom, welcome back to another episode. And today I wanted to give you guys an update on my mental health journey. About a month ago, I gave you guys an episode called um, Where I've Been, explaining to you guys um, the struggles that I've been having recently as far as my mental health, some recent diagnosis that I have gotten. And that I was at a point in my life where I was trying so hard to quote unquote fix myself and become quote unquote normal uh, through, I was just trying like holistic things. I was trying diets. I was trying supplements. I was trying so much self-help. And to be completely honest, um, the things that I've struggled with have the things that I've been struggling with forever. And I finally feel like I'm starting to get uh, a grasp, um, some closure on like what is wrong with me because that's always been a... It's always been a theme in my life. Um, I know that I'm different. I know a lot of people are like, oh, no, you're not. Like, yeah, you don't know what goes on in my head. <laughs> um, and the things that I think and how I think. And I've always felt like, oh, well, there's something wrong with me. There's something wrong with my brain. There's something wrong with the way I think. And I feel like now I know what that is, right? <laughs> like, it's not that I... It's not that there's something wrong with my brain. It's just it's just wired differently. And like literally it's wired differently because a month ago I was diagnosed with ADHD. So I am 35 years old and I have went pretty much my whole life being undiagnosed um, ADHD. And, you know, I never personally would have thought um, ADHD, right? Um, I have talked to some family members and even like my husband. I was like, oh my gosh, I am... I got diagnosed ADHD and he's like, well, no duh. And there's like those little things, the, the obvious things about ADHD that, you know, are out there. A lot of us think when we think ADHD, we think about that kid that sat behind you in class, shook the desk, was impulsive. We usually always kind of revert to that. And like, it's usually a boy, right? And um, as you're going to see today that there's actually a lot of women that go undiagnosed with ADHD because um, they don't always have the symptoms like those like quote unquote like classic ADHD symptoms. And I had no idea either. And the more that I dive into learning about my new diagnosis, the the more I realize, like, wow, all of these things that I've struggled with, like, my whole life are a part of this diagnosis. Not only that, I got diagnosed with ADHD, and I also got diagnosed with PMDD, which is an extreme form of uh, PMS. And I'm curious to see how much as I 
just recently found an ADHD non-stimulant medication that actually I think is going to work. I'm really excited about it. I feel like a huge difference. That's something. So I wanted to do the update because I was, um, I have gone through a few medications and haven't really gotten any benefits. And actually this medication that I'm on right now is that was like the final, <laughs> it was the final thing. Like my psychiatrist, the one that I see, she does not prescribe stimulants. And so she's like, look, this is the last like non-stim medication that I have in my toolbox, like to let you try. It actually just got approved for adult ADHD. It was, um, it's been, a, it's a medication that's been around for a while. It just was used mostly for depression and they just recently have um, approved it for ADHD. And I'll talk about that in a little bit. Um, and so, yeah, so I feel like the more I learn, the more I realize that that, that is connected. And, and so today's, what I really wanted to do was give you guys an update on how I'm doing, the medications that I went through, um, how I'm feeling about that, and really talk to you guys about ADHD. And um, if you don't have a family, if you don't know anybody that I'm, I'm pretty sure you do know somebody that has ADHD, um, you're probably like, oh, I don't want to listen to this. I would strongly suggest that you listen to this. If you have a daughter, you have a woman in your life that you love that struggles with depression, anxiety, um, emotions, those kinds of things. And because there is a lot of linking a link to that at, through ADHD. And I'm going to share that with you guys today and also share with you um, a part of me, like I have, I've, I've struggled a lot mentally and I have been open with a lot of it. And today I'm pretty much just going to like pull all of my dusty skeletons out of my closet and share them with you guys and be really transparent in the hopes that maybe this might help somebody that is undiagnosed because as you're going to see, it's really, um, it's a lot of things that could really affect the quality of your life when you go undiagnosed with ADHD. And I guess I'll start off with talking about my medication because I have been on this new medication for a few weeks. Um, the first two weeks, it gave me, I had some side effects. I felt like it was working a little bit. And then just in the past week, I'm like, whoa, like the side effects are starting to subside the effects are starting to work like it's actually working and I'm starting to realize like it's just kind of sad like, it kind of makes me a little emotional to think like I've gone uh 35 years like how I've been and now how I feel and I'm like whoa like this is what it feels like when your brain's functioning right <laughs> you know because ADHD is is definitely um I'm going to talk about it in a minute but there it does it affects your brain our my brain is literally people with ADHD their brains are wired differently and um you know if you don't understand what you're looking for you don't understand that you know being diagnosed I don't I don't think that we should like use our diagnosis as a crutch but literally it has been liberating for me because it's given me answers to to questions about how I have been my whole life and I've beat myself up so much and like all the um, pain and misery and ex all the things that I've gone through because I was misdiagnosed and now seeing how life can be with medication and, and making my brain work a little bit, you know, in more of a normal sense, whatever's normal, you know, what is normal anyways, right? But it's, 
it has like lifted this weight off of me that I have put so much pressure on myself to be quote unquote normal and to function a certain way when I literally could not function in the the way that I was putting the pressure on myself to function. And so I feel so much better. I feel like, wow, like this is what it feels like to like be me, you know, in a sense. Like I know it sounds really crazy just with ADHD medicine, um, but it has helped me a lot. And so the medication that I'm currently on is called Quelbree. It's Q-E-L-B-R-E-E, I believe. And I am on 200 milligrams, which is a, you know, a starting off dose, or is it 200 or 400? I think I'm on 400. Um, Starting dose for, like, for adults, right? And so that's what I'm currently on. But I've gone through, just like to throw it out there, Stratera was one I was on, and Wellbutrin, and in different... um, different amounts and different dosages and played around with that. Stratera had like the worst, (laughs) that was the worst one for me as far as side effects. Like I was like, I felt so out of it and extremely tired. I would get dizzy, um, nauseous. I would just have to like take a nap in the middle of the day. Like it just was not working for me, which is interesting because the medication that I'm on, if you like Google like non-stimulant ADHD medicines, Stratera and Quobi kind of like fall in the same kind of camp of dopamine inhibitors or not inhibitors, but up intake, <laughs> like it increases your dopamine. And, and so it, I was kind of like fearful to take Quelbury because of the effects that I had with Stratera, but you know, it's, it's awesome. Like it's going good. This past week has been really going good. And it also just gives a show that it needs time because my psychiatrist is like every two weeks she wanted to meet and be like, okay, is this working? It's not working. And I felt like, man, like, I feel like there's something there that could be working. And I told her, I know there's side effects. I'm having side effects. I just want to give it a couple more weeks and see. And I'm so glad that I did that. And so if I hadn't had done that, just jumped the gun and not gave it some time to work, like I wouldn't be feeling how I am today. And then when I took the Wellbutrin after the Stratera, um, this one actually I don't think is an official ADHD medicine from what my psychiatrist had said. She just said that it can help. It's actually officially a, a depression medication. And I feel like it helped some at 150 milligrams. And so we bumped, I got bumped up to... Uh, 300 milligrams, but then I started to get anxiety, a lot of anxiety and sleep issues. I feel like it kind of helped my ADHD knowing now that like, I like this medication's working. I'm like, oh yeah, it was not, it was not even like scratching this. It was barely scratching the surface of, of like helping my ADHD compared to this. Um, and so that's when I got on Quelbrit and, um, just letting you guys know, I'm on 200 milligrams of, of, on the Quelbrit, but it's not uncommon to be bumped up to 400 plus for adults as now that I'm going through my notes. Um, and so, yeah, that is it. You know, when I first started the Quelbrit, just letting y'all guys know, like side effects, like it was affecting my sleep. I felt like it had a, a delayed effect. And so I actually switched from recommendation of taking in the morning to taking in the evening because it was having like a de- delayed effect. And so I did that for a little bit and then noticed that it was like kicking in faster. And so it was like waking me up in the middle of the night because I guess it was kicking in. So then I started um, taking that, taking it in the mornings and that's working really good for me. Another thing is with these... Um, medications that increase dopamine i'll explain a reason why this is good for adhd and a little bit why increasing dopamine um and that's pretty much all 
from my understanding, I think it's all ADHD medications that increase that. Um, I just blanked out. <laughs> what was I doing? Okay, so just it's not. I'm not completely fixed, right? <laughs> um, so going back to what I was talking about with the dopamine, um, yeah, I just completely lost my train of thought, guys. I actually probably doesn't help that I have the window open, and so I'm like, ooh, looking out the window, like like total ADHD, right? <laughs> and so, anyways, so that. Um, it kicking in um, has helped. <laughs> like, where am I? Do I was talking about dopamine. Let's actually jump on. I'm going through my notes. That probably doesn't help too. Like, skipping around to what's really important. Um, now, let's talk about ADHD and what it is as far as like what's going on and how the brain really is differently wired. And you know, for, you know, doctors. Re- from what I was like researching, doctors really don't know how ADHD forms, but it seems to have like a genetic component. So it could be that you're born with it. And that's why it's more common to be diagnosed with ADHD. If you have a parent that has a has ADHD, I was reading that there's a lot of uh, like adults that get diagnosed with ADHD because they take their kid in think, you know, because their kid has ADHD symptoms to get tested. And then in return, they test the adult when the kid is po- like has positive, when the kid does have ADHD, and then realize like, oh well, they got it from this parent. This parent tested positive, um, and I'm pretty sure that I got mine from my mom. I'm pretty sure my mom is undiagnosed ADHD. She has a lot of the symptoms, especially as I researched and learned more about how it manifests um, the symptoms in women. And I'm also pretty sure my son has ADHD. Like, I've seen it from, like, I can totally, it does have to be a genetic thing. Like, since he was born, like, seriously, like, there's been, there's a lot of things that, uh, you know, that he has shown to be ADHD. And I haven't really, di- like, I haven't taken him to get diagnosed because it hasn't had a noticeably like a huge negative effect on his life. So if it does start to really affect him, I was really worried about when he would start school. Um, yes, he gets really bored in school. He might not be all A's, but he's doing good and um, he retains things pretty well and his behavior's good and um, he hasn't had any huge problems. So I'm probably just going to leave that alone until that comes up, but just kind of having that in the back burner of my head that he probably is. Um, so ADH brains literally are different like the, you can see this on a brain scan that they're different and it shows um and then they have we have lower levels of of dopamine and people with adhd they it's not necessarily that they have low levels of dopamine what it is is they may have a higher concentration of dopamine transporters in the brain And those transporters remove dopamine too quickly from the brain cells. So when there are more transporters in one area of the brain, they they remove it too quickly. So that means that the dopamine has less time to have uh, to be to exert its effects like and there's a there's a need for dopamine. And one of those things is that. Because of that, it impairs four functions of the brain for ADHD people. And these four functions of the brain affect attention, executive function, time management, organization, self-restraint, verbal working memory, regulation of emotions, impulsivity, hyperactivity. And there's also many categories that even fall into those other categories. And so 
it, it affects a lot. Like, and, and, um, you know, it, it's learning more about it. Like, I, I just can't keep going back to it. It just blows my mind how much I can link everything. And so we're going to talk about it. And I have, um, it's really, like I talked about, not as commonly diagnosed in women and girls. And there is like, from my understanding and all the research I've done, there is like this whole era of women that are now getting diagnosed in like their 20s, 30s, and 40s because they got overlooked in the school system because it seems like that's kind of when it gets diagnosed, right? Because they didn't have the quote-unquote classic AGH symptoms. And so according to ADHD Online, their website, they stated that 50 to 70% of ADHD cases in girls is missed and that the fastest growing population of undergoing treatment for ADHD is currently women between the ages of 24 and 36. Isn't that crazy? Um, And this is mainly because there's two different types of ADHD. There's that attention deficit and that hyperactivity part. And the hyperactivity part of ADHD is the most commonly recognized because you can physically see people being hyperactive. And which is really interesting for women because like I'm a, you can be one or the other combination. I'm actually a combination. And um, attention, uh, hyperactivity for women is more of an inward thing than an outward thing. So it's like our brains are just going like 100 miles per minute. That's like totally me, like to the point where it would be hard for me to complete sentences when I talk. You might even like, I'm noticing it actually right now as I'm doing this podcast that I'm not doing um a lot or I'm not like, uh, like jumping from sentence to sentence. And when I would talk to my husband, he's the one that points this out because he's such a blunt person. But he's like, you can't even finish a sentence. And it's because and I'm like, well, because I'm it's just, my mind's going like everywhere. And I go from this, this thought to this thought and that thought to that thought. And it's just, it's like before I can even get out my thought, I'm already onto another one. And and so because of that, sometimes it's hard for me to explain myself. <laughs> and so I feel like, I everything I, I can think more clearly now. I don't feel so like all over the place and chaotic. And so that hyperactivity for women doesn't always is a physical thing. It's an internal thing. I also can be actually move around a lot. That's another thing. My husband's like, can you just like sit still and watch TV? It's like really hard for me to do that. I always feel like I have to be doing something. Um, so looking through the, the symptoms, I really thought it'd be interesting to share with y'all many ADHD symptoms that I have and, um, a lot of them mostly that I didn't realize I were ADHD. And I also, part of these symptoms that I didn't realize were ADHD are coexisting conditions that aren't, they're actually other medical disorders that are common in women with ADHD. So it's, it's like really interesting. And so um, another thing that I thought was really interesting about why kids can sometimes go under the radar and not get, get diagnosed as ADHD is because they can be what is called twice exceptional. And so these are gifted ADHD kids. That was actually me. I was always in like honors and GT classes and always I did really good in school. But I looking back, I had to try really hard and like looking back and comparing myself to like my classmates. Um, I feel like it was it was harder for me. I had to try harder. Um, I had a, I put a lot of pressure on myself. I still do. I have a perfectionism kind of thing to me, which I that's another thing that can be like linked with ADHD, especially in girls. And this is how it manifests. And that's why I feel like it's also uh, does a lot to our self esteem. So 
ADHD girls have really low self-esteem. I did as a kid. I think it's like because we have to struggle and try harder and because we're seeing different, you know, we we notice that we are different from our peers and we don't understand why. And so that that was something I thought was really interesting when I was doing research. Um, so the first part of ADHD and symptoms I wanted to talk about was executive function uh, function dis or executive function dysfunctions. <laughs> if I could spit that out, and this is because this is like really a big part of all the things um, because our brains are wired differently. We have a hard time with executive functions, and so that's like time management, that's um, working memory, that's organization, um, those kinds of things, processing things, goal setting, um, self-awareness, all these things fall into executive function. And executive functions, they're primarily in the front uh, prefrontal cortex. And um, since we have lower levels or, well, you know, dopamine gets process faster for us and it stays less like longer right (laughs) like I was trying to explain to you it's not that we have low dopamine it's just we process through it faster um that's affected and so because of this this is because that part of our brain is um dysfunctional a lot of this really stems from there even emotion regulation stems from there too so because of this I will I've made so many care I make careless mistakes I suck at decision making like I it's really hard for me it's like sometimes a lot of times I will just not do things because um I can't decide I can't decide how to do them I can't decide what I should do like even going to the grocery store guys can be a struggle for me sometimes it's really kind of sad to like um admit that and like it's it sucks because as you're going to see, there's other things with ADHD. One of the bigger things that I think it can kind of tie into this, what I'm trying to say, is a thing with ADHD that's called hyper-focusing. So a lot of people think ADHD is the lack of attention. It's not that. It's the it's like a dysregulation in your attention system. So for example, it's not that I don't have attention span, like, or people with ADD, it's it's, I'm hard, it's hard for me to regulate it. So sometimes I can be what is called hyper-focused. So I can focus on something like something that I like, something that I find interesting. I could sit there for hours and hours and do it. And it would be like, I lose all complete track of time. And then other times um, I can't focus on things I should focus on and I'm like getting distracted by everything. So it's not in the good example of this, uh, thinking about it is the hyper focusing thing. One thing that is, you know, thinking back as a kid, I would get a lot like video games. Like, and if you do research on ADHD kids, they will say that a lot. They'll be like, oh, hyper focusing. A lot of kids that have ADHD that are hyper focused can sit there for hours and play video games. I am like that, guys. Um, <laughs> I was like that as a kid. And my and even as an adult in college, I used to play, um, <laughs> this is funny to admit, I used to play World of Warcraft and I would be so like involved in it that I would forget to eat. I wouldn't go to the restroom. <laughs> like I would skip socializing with people to do it. Like I can get so hyper-focused on something. Um and so that's why I really don't try to play video games. I play video games with my son sometimes, but I, I limit it because I know how I can be. And the, my son's the same way. Like he could sit there all day and play video games and not eat or, you know, so 
he, I, I see that in him too. So we have to like kind of like rein that in. Um, so that's something that is really interesting about ADHD is a lot of people think that it's an attention deficit. They, I mean, that's what it's called, right? But it's not. It's just a dis- dysregulation and how you are, uh, how your attention span is. The next thing is a horrible I have horrible sense of time, guys. I've always have um, my whole life. I've struggled. Like I will leave tons of time to prepare for something. Like I, it's there in my mind. Like okay, I have an hour. I have to be here. I have to, and I will be. I will get myself ready. I will do all, and I'm still like will be late, and it drives me insane. It's like my sense of time. I lose track. If I if there is not a clock around me, I I don't know what time it is. <laughs> I really don't. I have no perception of that. And I always just thought that was like part of me being like ditzy or my part of my personality, but it's actually an ADHD thing and it's very common. It's called time blindness. So most people have a sense of time, like how many minutes have passed, but people with ADHD sense time differently. Some research think that those with ADHD are um, deficient in temporal processing abilities or once again, AK functioning, that's part of executive, I mean, uh, executive functioning is time management and time perception. Um, the brain uses memory, attention, and dopamine to accurately predict time. And the brains of people with ADHD have problems with all those things, right? Many people with ADHD have uh, trouble setting a circadian rhythm. That's less like your body's internal body clock, uh, body clock based on like the Earth's rotation, right? Like we are all connected to the Earth. We're, you know, with that circadian rhythm. And people with typical like neurology naturally sense that rising and setting of the sun, while people for some reason with ADHD often can't. So that impairs. Um, that is part of impacting our uh, perception of time. The next sex, uh, symptom that I didn't realize was ADHD related was my habit of nail biting and picking. And it's really embarrassing because I'm an adult and I still do that. I don't, I like people are like, at growing up, my dad was like, stop biting your nails. I'm like, no, I'm biting my nails. I'm like eating the skin on the side of my nails or picking out my, my cuticles. And I still do it. And I remember as a kid, my dad threatened me all the time. He's like, I'm going to put pepper, like, I'm going to find something to put on your fingers where you're not going to want to bite on them anymore. You're not going to want to chew your nails anymore. And um, I try really hard, even as an adult, try to not do it. And I sometimes don't even realize, like, it's it's automatic thing. And I have been able to link it um, to times of anxiety, boredom, or having to even sit still. And in ADHD, it's very common. It's actually called a stimming behavior. Um, it is when an adult, a stimming behavior is when somebody repeats a specific movement or sound as a way to soothe or re-engage in a situation. It's often referred to as fidget to focus, which is really interesting because we know kids with ADHD, they fidget and then, you know, like there's a bunch of like fidget toys and stuff like that. And so like for me, biting my nails and picking at them is my way of fidgeting. Like I don't have, maybe I do need to get, maybe I need to get a fidget spinner or something or a fidget toy. Maybe that would help. I have noticed with this ADHD medicine, I'm not doing it as much as I was. So that's promising. That's kind of exciting. Um, but there's other kind of stimming behavior. It's not just, you know, nail biting or cuticle picking it's hair twirling pacing um any type of even like a repetitive noise which is interesting because my son like I said I'm pretty sure he has ADHD he does that he repeats sounds like just randomly he will sit there and just like it drives my husband crazy but it's and it's usually when he's having to sit still 
And it makes sense. It's a stimming behavior. And like I said, I notice that for me when I'm bored or I'm having to sit still, I can't physically be moving um, or I have anxiety. It's like it's self-soothing. Um, the next thing is forgetfulness and unorganized that once again falls back in that executive function part of your brain that for us is not really doesn't work the same. Um, and this is drives me crazy. Um, ever since I was a kid, guys, my nickname as a kid was Messy Jesse. Literally, that was my nickname because I was messy and I tried so hard not to be messy. Um, even as an adult, even like in college, like I love things to be or I love thing. I love the look of organization. I like things to be clean. It's not that I want to be dirty or messy. I'm not dirty. It's more like a clutter thing. It's just I get overwhelmed and it's hard for me to keep up with things. And I'm very for even like um, it's just organizing takes a lot of mental men, men, mental for me. And I notice like Even when I worked, I used to be an office manager for an oilfield company, right? And this is a perfect example. Um, I had stacks of papers and post-it notes everywhere. Post-it notes because I would forget things, right? So it would keep me um, to remember things. And then I'd have stacks of piles everywhere on my desk of things. And it looked, I, my boss, it would drive him crazy. And I'm like, it's it's organized chaos. And it really was because I knew, I knew where everything was. And for some reason, people with ADHD, and it's really interesting that this is common. I thought it was just me. Like I said, all this is so liberating to know like I'm not alone. Um, but ADHD people tend to organize things in piles. And so it's, it's so all over my house, I do, I have random small piles of random stuff everywhere, but I know where everything's at. (laughs) And, um, it's really frustrating because it looks like clutter. It looks like, I mean, I've even read that some people like are to the point where it looks like hoarding, you know? And it's really frustrating because I don't, I want to be organized and I will sit there and I would organize things. And then a week later, here's the piles again. And it would take me forever to go through these piles. And once again, going back to making a decision, (laughs) you know, struggling with decision making, like, oh, well, I can, I can organize it like this. Or, well, I don't know, this could go here. This could go there. It was just, it was like too much for my brain, right? That's another thing I noticed with now that this ADHD medicine is working is I, the house is cleaner. I'm able to like see things and process things and be more organized. And it's not overwhelming to me. It's really actually really cool. Like my desk looks awesome right now. Um, and so that is, that's something, like I said, that's pretty common is the pile thing. Um, and it's, it says um, what I read, because I was like trying to figure out like, why do ADHD people, why do we do this? And um, the only thing I could find was um, that people with ADHD struggle with short-term memory, which is so true. Um, and so they have to compensate with visual cues, hence the piles. Like I can visually see where things at and know where it's at. And that's true. Like if I go and I put something somewhere, like I was like out of sight of mine, I'll completely forget about it. Um, I won't do it. Like I it will literally just leave my mind. Um, and so that goes to the next thing is um, that I want to talk about is indecisiveness, which I've kind of already talked about this. Um, but it is hard for me to decide on things to make decisions because I will analyze the shit out of everything and then also because my mind is going a mile a minute so it's hard for me to like think about one thing without getting distracted by another thing like one thing it's like I will think (laughs) this is like a perfect example it's like oh I had to do this thing oh but 
I have to do this thing and I have to do that. Like, it's like one thing will lead to another. Like I start thinking about the things I have to do for this one thing. And then it sparks some other thing like, oh yeah. And then, and then guys, this is like, oh my gosh, it's so bad. And then because I'm always like, I like to learn. It's like, I wonder why, like I'll be thinking about something and then a random thought will be like, well, I wonder why that is. And then I'm like Googling down this rabbit hole about like, why something is and then it will come and then I'd be like I research I find the answer and then it sparks another question but but what about this thing about that like I could literally like get into this rabbit hole of researching shit online that in, instead of having to do the thing that I should be doing which is another thing is ADHD people pro- procrastinate a lot it's it's hard to because our dopamine is lower um is circulating less it's it's hard because that's a part of your reward system. So people with ADHD have a really hard time with um, with doing things that don't have instant gratification. That's why kids with ADHD can sit there and play games for hours because there's that instant gratification thing. And so I have so many unfinished projects throughout the years of my life, unfinished things that I will get so like umped, like. Um, uh, amped up about and pumped up about and and then it will fizzle and sizzle off and it's like I can't keep myself to keep doing it and I would beat myself like you are such an undisciplined person you're like literally just like beating myself up over something that now I understand like it was because my the way my brain functions um and so yeah that's been it's really frustrating to think of all the things in my life that I didn't accomplish because I couldn't stay focused on it um another thing is now that we kind of got like the some of the light stuff out of the way like this stuff is like things that are like oh yeah I didn't know that was ADHD and it's easy to talk about I want to talk about the things that are not that easy to talk about with ADHD the things that don't really get talked about with ADHD um so we're gonna get a little darker we're gonna get a little deeper I said, like I said, this is where I'm going to like really pull out those skeletons from the closet. And the first thing that I want to talk about is emotional regulation. Because this is part of that executive function is emotional regulation. I have struggled literally since the day I was born with emotional regulation. Uh, As even as a baby, like my mom said that as a baby, like I would just scream and cry uncontrollably to the point where she would just have to like leave me in the crib like I couldn't control myself right as a toddler, um, many a times my mom said that I would just throw fit and freak out like in public and throw myself back. And so a lot of times they couldn't even go out to eat or they couldn't go do things because I would freak out, I throw fit and I couldn't like calm myself down. And, you know, it's really embarrassing, like as an adult at 35, like I still struggle regulating my emotions. And that's probably out of all the things that I struggle with, the biggest thing that I beat myself up about, the biggest thing I ask myself, why am I like this? Why am I like this? There's something wrong with me. Why can't I regulate these emotions? Even though I know logically I'm thinking to myself, this is silly, like the way I'm reacting to something, I can't. I can't get myself out of it. It's like a hole and I get lost in it and I just can't process it. And so that is something that is part of ADHD and challenge, you know, ch- challenges with processing emotions. Emotions start in the brain itself. 
Sometimes the working memory impairments of ADHD allow a momentary emotion to become too strong too. Like they, it's like, they call it flooding. And so it's like flooding the brain with this intense emotion. And also because of ability to hyper-focus, it's easy to hyper-focus on an intense, intense emotion. And so it's really sucks because not only do you have like this inability to regulate, you also have... Um, that this flooding of strong emotions and then you hyper focus on the intense emotion and it's really hard to get yourself out. It's hard to shift and see the other aspects of the situation that can help you deal with that situation and move on. And this has been for me um, just a really hard thing to do. And um, yeah, and on top of that, like ADHD brains, Gaining mechanisms for regulating emotion does not distinguish between dangerous threats and and minor problems. So our brain also struggles with determining or regulating how dangerous, like the intensity of the situation is. And so, which makes it easier to overreact to everything. So when I dwell for like, when I'm upset, guys, like something upsets me. There's, there's also another thing with ADHD that is very common and it's called, um, it's like you rejection sensitivity, unable to handle criticism, like, and it all makes sense. Like if you can't regulate your emotions, like, and then you feel like you're being, um, I don't know, like somebody is being negative towards you. It's hard for you to sit there and and logically like they think like, okay, like to detach it from your self-worth is what I'm trying to get at. And so when I get upset, it can be like for hours, like I can be upset and and it can be over like silly things with my husband. Like there's so many times that we have gotten into arguments over something silly and um the thing is between me and him is he is so blunt and he is can take he doesn't have like there's not a filter there's not a way to soften it right and so you have these two people he's super blunt yes he has a point but the way he's going about it is super blunt and then me being overly sensitive and unable to regulate my emotions it just can be a bad combination and as I'm starting to get a hold of my emotions like um not only am I taking taking ADHD medication. I'm also taking something for my PMDD, which is my um, extreme PMS. I'm, I'm taking Zoloft. Like it's not a huge dosage. I don't think I, I'm on 30 milligrams. Um, so I'm taking that. And I noticed when that started kicking in, and I feel like even now, even more that the ADHD, med- I almost feel like the ADHD medicine kicking in is helping me way more than the, the depression for the PMDD. And so I'm starting to realize like, whoa, I think a lot of all of this stuff was ADHD more than even the PMDD. Um, but anyways, what I was going to say is I noticed less me and him less bickering and arguing over stupid shit (laughs) and me overreacting and that's just like fuels his fire to like overreact and like it's actually our relationship has been a lot better and then I'm also just I feel better I'm not feel so lost and depressed and like I'm not going anywhere and like beating myself up like I just feel like a fresh breath of air that's really what it feels like in my mind and it's awesome and so the you know, going back to the whole thing, um, like how I was before, there's this thing um, when I was researching, it says people with untreated ADHD can suffer from 
uh, dimythmia. I'm probably totally butchering that. It's spelled D-Y-S-T-H-Y-M-I-A. It's a mild but long-term mood disorder or sadness and often is brought on by living with the frustrations, failures, negative feedback, and stresses of a life due to untreated or inadequately treated ADHD. So most people that suffer from this, um, you know, almost every day from they, they have low energy, low self-esteem. I really, really believe that's what I've been struggling with all these years and just trying to stay afloat. Like I would try so I would do things and try so hard to manage myself. Um, so much self-help guys, like for the last like six, eight years, so much like monitoring how I eat and my supplements and everything in attempts to try to quote unquote fix myself. And it's kind of sad like to think of all that time lost, but I mean, I don't regret ever anything in my life, but you know, it's just, it's just kind of makes me really think about my life a little bit. So some people uh, with ADHD offer also suffer an inability to tolerate strong emotions enough to deal with them effectively. Um, they become caught up in behavior patterns to avoid painful emotions that seem too overwhelming. Guys, when I read that, I got that from uh, when I was doing my research. I was like, my mind was blown and I was like really sad for my younger self because I struggled for 10 years with self-harm um, and emotional eating. And when I looked at like I read that and I was like, whoa. So then I started researching ADHD and self-harm and there is a strong relation to self-harm and ADHD. So studies show that girls with ADHD are twice as likely to practice self-harm and 51% of girls with combination type ADHD report cutting or other forms of self-harm. And that's what I used to do to myself. Um, and it's like, wow, like I'm not broke. <laughs> not something wrong with me my brain just functions differently um but you know I looking back through that time because it was it was from the age of 14 to 24 that I struggled with self-harm in the form of cutting um you know I still have scars from it I don't I used to be really embarrassed about them but to me now it's like it's just a part of who I was and what I've been through and I feel like maybe one day somebody might see it and it might you know, they might be struggling and then they're like, oh, well, like she's doing so much better now. And I see these scars like, you know, let me ask her about this and how she dealt with it. And maybe it might help somebody. But, you know, when I was doing this, I, I mean, if you've never I hope you never have like it's it is such a emotional mind. I want to say might F, but it, it's like it's it's a lot to process. And so um it was really my way of dealing with all the intense emotions I had inside me. That's really what it was. Like, that's how I felt it was because, and this is part of the ADHD, right? I told you about the flooding of emotions. We can't regulate our emotions well. We, um, It's hard to process all things. So you got to think like this teenage girl is going through all these things. Like, it's already hard enough. And then I'm having all these intense emotions. I can't deal with them. I don't know how to deal with them. I don't even know how to explain what I'm feeling and why I'm feeling what I'm feeling. And, and so that even leads to more guilt, right? It's like, what's wrong with me? Why am I feeling this way? Um, you should, everything's good in your life. Like you have no reason to feel like this. And so it, it, it like stacks on another layer of self guilt. 
And for me, um, cutting was a way to distract myself from emotions by switching that emotional pain to physical pain. And then I actually just thought about this right now. I bet you if I was to look up what happens when like, cause you get an endorphin rush from, from hurting yourself. You do. I think it's just your body's natural reaction to, to pain is to have an endorphin rush. And I wonder if that increases dopamine and that would make sense. Now I'm thinking about it. If, if you have a lack of dopamine and that like, obviously there has to be some connection at 51% or girls that have ADHD are twice as likely to do this. Right. Um, and so not only do they self harm, but girls with ADHD have a higher risk of suicide. Um, not only do they struggle with more depression, anxiety, because, uh, but because they're impulsive, right? ADHD, there's an impulsive, they're more likely to actually follow through with suicide. And I do, I have some, like, looking back, there's certain things I am impulsive about. Like, I really think things through. I'm not impulsive about anything big. It's just little things, but I can be impulsive. And to be honest, like, there has, because I did, I struggled with depression probably since the age of 13, uh, um, and so like there have been times in my life and it's not easy to admit this, but to be honest that I have fantasized about my own suicide. And I think that was, um, you know, it, it, it's something that I have learned to, um, like talk myself through and know that it's going to pass because a lot of the times this stuff will come up like in my PMD episode, PMDD episode. So when my hormones shift after my luteal phase, it's like that's when everything gets worse for me. Um, and that's part of PMDD. And I was also reading that um, ADHD could actually get worse when with hormone shifts. So it could all just be a combination. But that's really where I would feel like two different people. And I am going to do an episode on PMDD in itself. I think it does deserve to be talked about too. And that is when I will have like, I feel like a different person. And then when I start my period, it's like the clouds, the only way I could explain it to my husband, it's like the clouds part and the sunshine comes back out and I'm me again. And then when after I ovulate and I go into my second cycle, that's like, that's when that other part of me comes out. It's like Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde is how I feel. And it sucks because the first first half of my cycle, I will be like so motivated. I'll be like, okay, yeah, I'm gonna get this done. I'm gonna do this. And I'm like social and I wanna do things. I wanna, you know, and then I ovulate. And then on top of that, my cycles are longer. So after I ovulate, like my little, little phase is like long. And so I'll have like two plus weeks of like, going on this downward spiral of not feeling like myself and then these depressive thoughts. And that was part of why I was like, I need to get help. I'm to the point where like, I need medication because it was getting worse and it was starting to kind of scare me a little bit. And, uh, but I have, like I said, I've been dealing with this since 13. So I've learned how to like talk myself off of that ledge a lot of times um, and know that it's just a feeling that's going to pass. And, Luckily, I have so many people in my life that are loving and love me that a lot of the times when I was younger, that was what pushed me through because um, I felt like suicide was selfish. Um, and so I cared more about those people than myself. And I cared more about how they were going to feel than my pain and suffering at that moment. And so I know that sounds really like deep, but that's that's how I felt. Um told you guys we were gonna get deep in this episode but it's stuff that needs to be talked about I, th I think like even if you have a daughter like these are these are issues 
that you need to talk to your daughter about um, because I was so good at hiding this. And that was another thing too, is my life felt like it was falling apart all the time around me, but I still was like, got, I was top of my class. Uh, I graduated with a 3.5 in college. Like it was the only thing that kept me steady was my like putting, pouring myself. And I mean, probably overextending myself in school because it was another way to escape from how I was feeling around myself, right? So on the outside, it looked like I had all my shit together. On the inside, I was falling apart all the time. And um, I hid this very well. Another thing that I hid very well for my my family um, growing up, I was my eating disorder. I struggled with that from about the time I was 14 to 22, 23-ish uh, was an eating disorder. And turns out girls with ADHD are four times more likely to have an eating disorder. Surprise, surprise, right? For me personally, I uh, struggled with anorexia and some bulimia, mostly anorexia. And it really started, I, I've shared this story before, but I, it started out when I was in high school. I got like my first like real like boyfriend, you know, and I was like, happy and his mom cooked really good Mexican food and so I gained some weight and then this room I heard about this rumor going around school that I was pregnant and it just I was like whoa like I've gained that much weight that I look pregnant and it just like I fixated on that and I lost the weight but then I kept going like I become I became obsessed with it because it felt good to be in control of something in my life like I had all these emotions that were out of control but I could control my food Right. And so it was a way like I, I hyper focused and then it was just a way to feel like I had control of something. And if you haven't realized by now, guys, like anxiety and depression are both coexisting conditions of ADHD. Um, and throughout my life, I have been diagnosed with things like that. I have also been diagnosed with bipolar disorder when I was in college, which I am not bipolar. It was just a shitty diagnosis of a psychiatrist that talked to me for like 30 minutes and just like labeled me, right? And that tends to happen a lot with women with ADHD. They see, they tend to get misdiagnosed first, not misdiagnosed because anxiety and depression are something they really are struggling with, but even like the bipolar thing, like EPMDD can also be misdiagnosed as bipolar a lot. Um, and so can anxiety, I mean, ADHD. And so a lot of times these girls and women will just get diagnosed as, oh, you have anxiety, or you just have depression and not getting fully diagnosed. So it's just like putting a little, like it's helping some, but it's not really getting to what's the what's really, really going on. And so, yeah, also ADHD has put you at four times more risk for depression, um, and this risk is even greater, you know, for hyperactive or impulsive types who are also higher risk suicide. And I, like I said, I'm, I'm both and, uh, oh man, that's a lot. Right. And so I was like, I just finished getting through all my notes, which is good because we're coming up. This is a longer episode than I usually do, but, um, I just really didn't want to leave anything out. I'm sure I still left something out. Um, but bottom line, guys, is I, I'm trying to think right now because I usually write in my notes like I want to have a takeaway from everything. I think the biggest takeaway from all this is that it's okay to seek help. I mean, it was, um, and it's okay to seek different types of help because I had a stigma for a long time about medication. 
Um, I'm somebody that prides myself on trying to live more of a holistic, natural life. I mean, come on, guys, I have this dream of like living off the grid and being self-efficient and like for a long time. I mean, this this is how I got into this space was getting to I mean, getting um, help from a naturopathic doctor and really getting into holistic health. I got into holistic health before I got into fitness. And so it's been a big part of my life and it's been something that I've tied my identity to very strongly. So it was, it took a lot for me to finally be to the point where I had to be open to take medication. Um, I felt like there, it was like a cop out. Like, I'm not saying that I feel like that now, but at the time I did. I felt like it was a cop out. I feel like it was like, quote unquote, the easy way out. It wasn't really fixing anything. It's just putting a banning on it. Um, this is before I realized I was ADHD. When I got diagnosed as ADHD, which is really funny, um, I didn't think I was ADHD until I talked to a friend and we had like these commonalities or she says something. And I was like, that's part of ADHD. And she's like, yeah. And I was like, what? I do that all the time. And then I started like, oh, I'm going to take like this, you know, what? I'm going to just take this online ADHD test after I started like researching ADHD and started realizing I had a lot of symptoms, symptoms that I didn't realize were ADHD. And that's when I was like, oh, shit, like maybe I need to see a psychiatrist because ADHD is like a brain thing. And like I I can't really like I can't alter my brain with like I mean, you can, I guess, to a point with supplements. Um, But I couldn't I couldn't personal develop myself out of this one. Probably (laughs) is what I was trying to get at. So I am very happy that I went this route for this time. I'm not saying I think there's always a trade-off to all medications. Like, for example, I did have symptoms, um, side effects for a while, right? Luckily, a lot of the side effects are going away. I don't really have any more for the medication. Um, but I, I mean, I do think there's a trade-off with medications. Um, I I just, you know, I don't know if this is forever, but for right now, I, I'm starting to feel like better. And, you know, for me, it's working right now. And that's okay. And it doesn't have to be a forever thing. But for right now, I'm just focused on right now feeling better. And I do feel better. And I feel like now I have an opportunity to start tackling and doing those big goals that I have in my life and things that I want to accomplish things that for years and years I've wanted to do and accomplish, but it feels like I could never fully get that. I could just never grasp it. It's right there. And I know it's there. And I just like, I'm trying to reach for it, but I just, something's pulling me back and something's pulling me back. And, and I think that was my misdiagnosis of ADHD. So, um, yeah, that's all I have guys. I, I will keep you guys updated. I hope that this is the first of many positive updates on this. I hope this medication continues to help me and that I don't have to get on a stimulant, not saying that there's anything wrong with stimulants, but I really wanted to try to find a non-stimulant ADHD medicine um, to try and that is working. So yeah, I'm gonna leave you guys with that. And I hope that this episode was helpful. I hope it empowered you in some way. Even if you don't have ADHD, I'm sure there's some aspect of what I talked about today that you can relate to as a woman. There's so many things that we all go through, right? Oh, it's not easy growing up being a, a woman. Um, but yeah, I'm gonna leave you guys with that. And for now, I will see you in the next episode. So go out there and be the strong mom that you know you are. Bye for now, guys.